for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. We are continuing our links in a chain, <coughs> the great doctrinal sections of chapters 1, 2, and 3. Now the duty, 4, 5, and 6. The owner's manual, if you'll allow, of the church. He talked about individual giftedness, the spoils of the victory of the risen, conquering Christ. And he gave you tools and not trophies. And he came not just with saving grace, but with serving grace. And how does that look? Now, we've got tools, some of you with many, all of you who follow Christ with one spiritual gift. How's this going to work inside of a church? Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, <clears throat> to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Verse 14. Anybody know anybody been sucked up by verse 14, by the way? Folks that know better and all of a sudden don't know better anymore? Folks who should be doing and are not? And it's because somebody pointed a camera and stuck themselves on TV or YouTube, and all of a sudden, man, they're in a mess spiritually. Verse 15, speak the truth in love. Speaking truth may grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Verse 16, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part makes increase the body edifying of itself in love. Preacher, you preaching all that this morning? I'm going to take a section of it and work our way through a little bit. So we're... And but I want to help us a little bit today. I want to, I want to talk about I want to talk about gifts to the church. I want to start that you using your gifts and God gifting to the church what He wants to help us grow and go and serve. Pray with me one more time, Father, front to back, left to right. Thank you for your love to us. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. <clears throat> Thank you that we, uh, we get to assemble, we get to worship together, we get to learn new songs, some folks today, we get to work on our memory verses, hiding your word in our heart that we won't sin against you, there's just so many things we're thankful for, and I pray you'd speak to hearts, I pray you'd focus my thoughts, Lord, you know I'm distracted these last few days for different reasons, I pray, I pray I'd focus intently. I'd communicate well. I'd enunciate clearly. But more than all of that, that you get honor and glory from this morning. Father, I need you and ask that you help us right now. Holy Spirit of God, use me, fill me. And may you preach on the inside while I'm preaching on the outside. I pray it in your son's wonderful name. And amen. You can be seated. Be seated. <coughs> Excuse me. I need to do it by sections here. I'm having a little trouble focusing this morning. Anybody in this section remember the first time you got a VCR or a DVD player? All right, good deal. I mean, anybody here ever heard of a VCR or DVD player in this section over here? All right, wrong section. Any of you heard of Chloe? And, and, okay. And uh, what about here in the good-looking middle section, DVD or VCR? How many of you grew up in poverty? How many of you just crawled in? Uh, all right, very good. TV? Indoor plumbing, all right. Ron's messing with me back there. Yeah, all right. How about over here? DVD player, VCR player. All right. How many of you remember the VCR player came with a manual and the blinking clock? Anybody ever go to somebody's house with the blinking clock? Blink, blink, blink. 
and you had to get the grandchildren over there, please make it stop. Please make it stop. Not lying. I need to be careful because I'm already uh, entering some dangerous water. <laughs> I was at somebody's house one time, and he had one of those, and I thought I saw something, and I thought, oh, man, they've never f- remembered to take the, the plastic that came with it. And so I knew them well enough, so they kind of stepped out to get a coffee or tea or something. And, and I go over there, and I'm going to take, take the stuff off the front of it, just, you know, so they're not embarrassed. And I was going to do it really discreetly, and I got over there, and it wasn't the black plastic, or it wasn't the plastic, it was black electrical tape. And they'd given up trying to set the time. <laughs> they'd given up on the blinkety-blink, and they just covered it up. They just covered it up. And so I'm over there, and so I, I peel it off, and I figure out what it is, and they're coming back, and it's like a TV show. Dun, dun, dun. And it's all I can do to get it. And so I get it, and I'm going so fast, I shove it. When I shove it, I turn it, hop to my seat. <laughs> they sit back down there talking to me. Look, well, that's strange. VCR is crooked. I said, I noticed that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I finally had to cough it up that I was the one, I was the one that did it. My mom likes... Uh, used to watch the service a lot more than she does now, now that uh, quarantine's kind of in a different phase. She's at her church now. My mother has a famous story, and when she's in the mood, she tells it, so I'm okay saying it now, and the odds of her watching the service are are slim, unless some of you text her. She got in a new car, and, and it had all the jazz, Brother Blair. Keyless entry, put your foot on the gas, and hit the button, it had dual controls, and the guy that she's, the guy she bought it from, I, I knew him, worked with Anthony, and uh, <laughs> tried to tell her how to do it, and she said something along the lines, honey, I've been driving cars since before you was a thought in the mind of your mama. I got it. <laughs> so off she went, two sunroofs, <coughs> I mean, all kind of stuff that was in there. She calls me about a month in. I'm here. She calls me. Rodney, I'm allergic to the car. I said, I don't understand, Mom. Are you having a seizure? Are you having a stroke? I don't understand. Is this some kind of old people speak? What, what do you mean you're allergic to the car? She said, Every time I get in the car, I'm just overheating. I don't know if it's the chemicals in the seats. I, I don't know. Do you think I could go swap it? I don't know why you're asking me. Uh, I don't have any idea. I don't know. Usually it's three days on a lemon. I don't know how long the, the warranty is on an allergy. And uh, she said, get in the car and I go to work. Man, I'm, I'm just hot as I can be. I get out and I go home. The same thing as the car. I don't know what it is, what it is. And the more she's talking, the more I'm going. I said, Mom, go out and sit in the car. What for? I said, there's a little button there that says heat. <laughs> yeah? I said, I said, you may have the heated seat on. I don't have heated seats. I'm pretty sure you do. And uh, it's a brand new car. It's leather. I think you got heat and cooled seats. I do not. Look, it may be an allergy. Anybody ever had this discussion with a family member? You know, where they're arguing with you, and you're wrong immediately. And so she's going, <clears throat> long, long story short, she comes back and going, well, I didn't believe it, but I had heated seats, and they've been on. And since I cut them off, the allergy has gone away. 
I said, well, that's great. She said, no, I got to call Anthony back and tell him that I'm not allergic to the car. Can you do that? Nope. Uh, next time I saw Anthony, he walked up to me and said, so your mom? I went, it's okay. And uh, we're there. How do you use things? How do you work things? How are things supposed to work? If we get tripped up, some of us, over VCRs and DVD players <coughs> and, heaven forbid, laptops and cell phones and uh, some of us over HVAC units and, <coughs> and plumbing, we, we need some help. If you're going to talk about something as complicated as reaching the world for Jesus and seeing people come to saving faith and then growing in the faith and then being useful to spread the faith, man, we're going to need some help. What has God given us? Has he just said good luck? Has he just thrown some things at us? As he said, here, here's 66 books, 1,200 and some chapters, several thousand, tens of thousands of verses. Work it out. Or has he given us some gifts to help us? Has he given us some people to direct us? Has he offered <coughs> in his trophies that he has captured that are tools in our hands serving grace? Let me, let me stop you. Some of you are going, okay, here it comes. He's been so nice for so many weeks. Here comes the big stick. Nope, that may be next week. May not be at all. Because the reality is, this is the thrilling, one of the, to me, it's the ramping up, the thrilling part of this. How you and I can be involved in what he has done and given to us. The, we have been equipped to walk wordly. That's verses 1 through 6. <clears throat> and we've been equipped to serve. That's 7 through 10. And now we're going to see how all this works out. All this works out. <clears throat> we have, we have a, going to experience the gifts of Christ then to the whole church. To the whole church. Out of those 20 or so spiritual gifts, five places in the New Testament, these gifts, these lists are given. We get to see that the church is complete when people use your gifts, and it shouldn't lack, and, there, and there's no need to beg for volunteers. There's no need for any of those things, man. If we'll just do what God has equipped and is equipping us to do. You say, well, preacher, I, I get all that, but I still need a little help. I'd like, I'd like to know the next step. Um, I'd like for you to, to walk me through this, and I'm glad you said that because that's exactly what we're going to do this morning. <laughs> on your handout and all here. I said it last week, realized I didn't give it to you. A spiritual gift, this is a very generic definition. Spiritual gift is a God-given ability or skill that enables a believer to perform a specific function in the body of Christ, the church, with effectiveness and ease. I always shorten it if I'm saying it's something you can do with joy. You can do with joy. Man, I want to do this. I want to... <coughs> excuse me. I want to prune the bushes outside. I want, to, I want to lead a class. I'll be glad to come here and give a good, a good scrubbing now. I'll volunteer to help, <coughs> help with, the, uh, with the clerk or the finances. I'll, I'll come along. Wh whatever it is, it's something, man, God is saying, man, you'd be good at that. You are good at that. Let me encourage you. Let me encourage you to use those gifts. So a spiritual gift like this, I, <coughs> I, always, joke, I always joke about things, you know, you say, uh, whenever, we, whenever we talk about having more folks uh, serve in the nursery or something like that, people are like, I got a cousin served in the nursery, and we never saw her again. 
you know, she'd been back there 17 years, you know, and, 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 and I don't even think she's even going home. They just bring her food and clothes, and, and, and they're there. And if, I, and if I volunteer for something, it's, oh, no. And, uh, and we try not to do that here. Trying to do put things on rotation. Now. Why? Because we want you to be able to do it with joy. We want you to be able to do it to joy. And some of you are going, yeah, yeah, it was me. I was, I didn't see a service for ten years, ten years kind of thing. I, it's unhealthy. It's not what we want to do. It's unhealthy. Like I need to be a part of some preaching through the week. I listen to things or I, I watch things because it's not good for me to never sit under preaching. I need that. So this spiritual gift idea. So, so you with me? I've got I've got just two ideas this morning. How many of you like thank the Lord two and not twelve? I got two ideas, and we'll go to the next, Lord willing, next time. So, number one, first verse is here. Leaders are to equip the saints. Leaders are to equip the saints. Let me be like, I like this so far. You say, I've got gifts and tools. How do I use them? Aren't you glad God said, hey, I'm going to give some folks to you, Christ followers, and tell you how you can serve well in his church. Tell you how, and tell you how to serve well. How many of you, anybody ever been a part of some, some organization and they had great ideas but no strategy? Yeah, we need to do this. You always have to pull your belt, right? We need to do this. Or somebody, like in politics, it's a shame we don't do this. And then you leave. If you stop at verse 6 and 7, that's how it is. Everybody's got some great stuff from the Lord to serve in the church. Now, go figure it out. That's not what he does. He says, I want to give you some gifted men, some grace men, literally is how it's translated here, that'll help you be equipped. And so here we go. So he starts this off. He says, he says apostles, prophets, evangelists, and then pastor, pastor, teacher, pastor, teacher. <coughs> pastor, I realize, I realize not real far away, there are some folks who say that they are apostles, say that they are apostles. And I've questioned a few of them on it. What do you mean you're apostle? Well, we stand in the line of the apostles, apostle, doctor. I said, I get that, but that's not an apostle. You'd have to be 2,000 years old to be an apostle. Why? Because apostles, apostles were people, <coughs> excuse me, who were eyewitnesses of Christ's resurrection. That's one of the qualifications to be an apostle. These were the foundation of the church, much like an engineer would be in building a building. Ephesians chapter 2, they're part of the foundation. They received and declared the revelation of God's word, Acts 11. And they gave confirmation as an apostle. They did things. They did what we call signs and miracles. Miracles <coughs> to help the lost understand <coughs> the power of the message and signs to confirm what the message was. These were, this was who they were supposed to be. They were chosen directly by Christ. And so, as the New Testament winds down, you, you, and as these folks die, they're not replaced. And so, apostles, so when somebody says on TV or whatever, I'm an apostle, I, I think I get their sentiment, but they really got to use a better word. And so, when we talk about this, we're talking about the apostles. By the way, this helps us with cults. All this new jazz? No, he gave the apostles the doctrine. This is the foundation. Their teaching is the foundation of the church. Somebody said, if it's new, it must not be true. I think that's specifically correct with Bible stuff. Somebody says, man, I'm an apostle. I need to be writing down what they say. And they better not get anything wrong. 
If they're saying they're speaking for the Lord. Nod your head and say amen if you're with me here. There's the apostles. There's the apostles. <coughs> there's the apostles. There's prophets. These are the gifted men that he's given these prophets. If apostles were general into a wide, variety, into a wide area, prophets were more localized to a church. Paul is referred to as a prophet when he's there at Antioch, Acts chapter 13. <coughs> Excuse me. The prophets were personal. The prophets were practical there. And not speaking about people just speaking. We're talking about, talking about a specific office. Apostles, prophets, foundation. Foundation. Their teaching, their communication, the fact that these men were eyewitnesses of Christ, and then inside of these local churches there was somebody there who was <coughs> communicating truth and helping the church to be established. One writer said it like this. The church was established on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That's Ephesians 2.20. Once the foundation was laid, the work of the apostles and the prophets were finished. The work of the apostles and prophets finished. Then he says, whoops, evangelist. Then he says, evangelist. Evangelist. Now, evangelist is something a little different in the last hundred years here, at least in the West. You have people that travel around. Billy Sunday, a famous evangelist. Famous D.L. Moody, a famous <coughs> evangelist, famous evangelist. In our, in our text here, it's the idea of someone who really is starting a church, someone who is very, very gifted in evangelism. We would almost call them missionaries, but then they are gift to the church, and sometimes they are so zealous, <coughs> and we've used them like that, where an evangelist comes in and challenges us to be more evangelistic, be more soul-conscious. Let me help you just for a pause for a second. How many of you are glad when somebody from outside comes in and you are challenged to be more obedient to the Lord? You are challenged. Well, let me help you. Wayne Johnson, a few weeks ago, came in and challenged us about evangelism. And a lot of you left with gospel literature and you left with invitations. You left going, I've got somebody I need to talk to about the Lord. That's part of the work of an evangelist. A healthy church sometimes will even employ a full-time evangelist who continues to teach people how to win souls and continue to help bring folks in and lead them to this place and evangelist. <coughs> evangelist. I don't think an evangelist is just somebody with 10 suits and 10 sermons. <coughs> Not a bad thing, but they're a gift to the church, and they help us here. We need to pray, by the way, that we see more of that, see more folks who are concerned about that and utilizing this gift here. And again, I'm not throwing off on the other <coughs> but there, and then you've got pastor teacher. This is where I want to focus for a second. You still with me? All right. So pastor. It's one, excuse me, it's one, um, it's one definite article and then two words. So there's an and there, but it probably is really talking about the same thing. Pastor and teacher. Now, in my upbringing, um, if someone said, well, bless your heart, anybody know what that's code for? <laughs> bless your heart dummy and uh <laughs> that's a southern way of saying uh -uh. in my upbringing my teen years and in in, in in from now if you really want to insult someone who's a pastor a preacher you say something like well they're 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 a fine teacher and, and just kind of leave it like that with the sarcasm just kind of dripping off like warm honey or warm poison Fine teacher, fine teacher. Somebody was trying to insult me one time. Said, "said Well, you're you're a you're a good teacher." Right to my face. 
And went, oh, that's good. You know, Ephesians 4 says, you know, that's what I'm supposed to be. Well, <laughs> well, just pray for me. I will. Crazy old woman. And, uh, you know, I didn't say that loud. That was more internal. It was more internal. <clears throat> if you understand here, because <clears throat> we associate really good whatever with emotion. Man, I left. Wow. Now, I don't know anything he said. He told a funny story. And I cried at the end. But by the time I got home, time I got through Shoney's buffet, I don't have a clue what happened in the service that morning. I didn't leave with any truth. I didn't leave with any life change. I just knew I got all jazzed up. Jazzed up. Understand, <clears throat> emotion's just emotion. If you just want emotion, again, subscribe to the Hallmark Channel. You'll be happy, mad, sad, and everybody will get together in time for Christmas. And if you just want that, I need life change. I need the truth of the Scripture. Because that's what changes my life. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to help me act like the Son of God. That's being filled or controlled by the Spirit. And so when he gives the pastor teacher here, he gets to help do that. He gets to help do it and say, Pastor, so you really think they're, they're both the same thing? 1 Timothy 5.17. <clears throat> Your Bible's open. Flip over there. 1 Timothy 5.17. <clears throat> trying desperately not to cough in there because some of you are asleep and I don't want to bother you. 1 Timothy 5.17, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy, double honor, literally double pay. Especially those who labor, who are exhausted in laboring in the word and doctrine, teaching. They're connected together, elders overseeing, <coughs> leading, and teaching, preaching. They're both connected together. 1 Peter 5, if you're in Timothy, just go to the right a little ways. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. <coughs> Excuse me. The elders which are among you, First Peter five verse one. Notice again, if you want to underline the circle, the elders, rulers, overseers. Or excuse me, elders which are among you, I exhort, whom also an elder or pastor, and a witness of the suffering of Christ, partaker of the glory, shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God. That's shepherding, taking the oversight. That's bishoping or eldering, not by constraint, not willing, but willing not for filthy lucre or for money but of a ready mind, all three of these in one thing. It's not A, B, and C. And we like to, uh, we like to have unintended consequences. So we got this set up and this set up and this set up, and he's really just talking about the same idea here. Same idea. And the elder represents who the person is supposed to be. The bishop speaks to what he does. And the pastor then deals with his attitude or character. That's why it's important when you call a new pastor to not have a popularity contest. It matters more about who he is. It matters about his love for the Scripture. It matters. This is why the celebrityism in North America is killing us. Because the guy wears skinny jeans and $200 shoes and his shirt's untucked. We think, man, we got a real somebody today. And I don't know what he said. He didn't really tell me the Bible but it was cool. I'm glad it was cool, but leave cool for a sales presentation and instead try and find someone who is a pastor teacher who fits these things and who is pursuing, who is pursuing what needs to be pursued so that he can help equip you. They're gift to us. They're gift to us. <coughs> this idea there, the Greek words poiman there. It's the idea of caring and feeding. That's why when a church gets so big, 
I don't know the pastor can do what he needs to do without <coughs> other things because he can't pastor everybody. I don't, I don't know how you pastor 20,000. You don't know their names. I, I, don't, I don't know how you do that. You're supposed to do that. I'll give an account. Hebrews says, I give an account as one that watches for your souls. So I wish the preacher would get out of my business. <coughs> as long as you say this is where you're hanging your hat and you've given me that oversight in your life, then I'm going to give an account one day and you absolutely positively believe you're going to get a text from me, you're going to get a note from me, you're going to get a hi from me, you're going to get a, I'm praying for you, for me, <coughs> that I'm going to be concerned because God has entrusted you to me and I get to equip you and I'm going to give an account one day. That's the shepherd's heart caring for his sheep there. And we're to be doing this. We're to be overseeing. We're to be leading. We're to be doing all these things. That is what we get to do. It isn't about celebrity. It can't be. And it, and it can't be. And, and if, if this becomes a qualification here that I need to wear skinny jeans, I've tried it. It's like a blood pressure cuff. And, and I'd have a stroke. And I don't trust anybody in here to give me CPR. Maybe a couple of you. And uh, we, we, we're just foolish, aren't we? We're foolish about some of this stuff. And I'm not, I'm not really throwing rocks in one sense about, about something. And they said, why do you wear, why do you dress like you do? I'm just comfortable with it. Every job I had until I got here, man, I wore, I wore a suit and a tie, a shirt and a tie. I want to honor God and his word. I know that's more my heart than my, than my outfit. I really do get that. I'm just, I'm just comfortable. I don't, I don't think a whole lot about it. <coughs> Excuse me. I've had people, you know, during the pandemic when everybody's watching TV, I think I've told this a time or two, you know, my shirt was untucked and people were like, and I was sitting down like, you liberal, sitting down, shirt's untucked. I'm not exaggerating a bit. I, I, I saved the message. I saved the message. In case my blood pressure gets low, I can read them and get, get fired up again. I sent one guy saying, it's much worse than that is when I was taking treatment. It's much worse than that. I'm sitting because I can't stand and I just don't have my shirt untucked. By the way, I did tuck it in just to mess with them. I don't just have my shirt untucked. <coughs> the shirt is magnetic because I can't button it. The shirt's magnetic, and I'm wearing black sweatpants because I can't fasten my britches. And, and I can't tie my shoes, so I'm wearing house shoes. I'm preaching on a stool, and the only thing that looks, that looks cool right now is the fact that I'm wearing a jacket that my wife put on me. So, yes, I really have gone a different direction. Same time, I got people going, thank you, Pastor Rodney. You've finally given up all the trappings of Pharisaism. I'm glad that you're sitting on a stool. I'm glad that your shirt's untucked. And I'm thankful that you're no longer conscripted by all those things. And I'm like, I really ought to give these people each other's email address and let them talk to one another. Talk to one another. <laughs> Last year, March, April... <laughs> Somebody tuned in, was sick, tuned in one of the services from Nashville, sent me a note saying, Brother Rodney, I'm really glad that you're finally wearing a tie again and uh, showing some respect to the pulpit. And I went, and I, went <laughs> and I said, I said, it's taken me a year and a half to get my hands where I can tie something. And uh, so thank you very much. I also can finally fasten my pants. I'm not having to be dressed in the morning by my family. So thank you for noticing and for praying for me. I'm still waiting for a response from them. We're not talking about dumb stuff like that. We're talking about the other things. Okay, you with me? Everybody with me here? But it's for equipping, for equipping. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? Why are we doing this? Because of the second part. The saints, <laughs> you, 
We get to do the work of the ministry. Ray Steadman said, we easily forget that the church is a body. We tried to operate the church as an institution, a corporation, and a business. But Paul wants us to grasp in Ephesians that the church is a body made up of cells. The cells are individual believers, you and me, and our other brothers and sisters in Christ. Each cell has a unique role to play in keeping the entire body healthy. Question, what are you doing? How are you serving? How are you using the giftedness, the tools God has given you in his body? In his body. He's got just these ideas here. He says equipping. Equipping. Equipping is an old word. It's a medical word. <clears throat> it, it means it was used to set a bone. It means to restore to an original condition. It was more commonly used in the scripture. The idea of being made complete. It's like having three pieces of a four-piece collection. You finally get the fourth piece. <coughs> Excuse me. It's like sitting down at dinner and you're realizing all your flatware is mismatched. Well, I got to get everything. I got everything. Get everything arranged. <coughs> Excuse me. It's like it's like buying a car and you realize all four tires are different. You know, I need to get make sure these are the same size and get the same tread wear and all these kind of. It means to be made to be made complete. Second Corinthians thirteen eleven. Finally, your brethren, rejoice. Be made complete. Be made perfect. Be made <coughs> be made mature here. So I am to be equipped. I'm to be equipped. I gave you the quote there, and I love it. It's not original to me. The first purpose then is of the pastor is to feed himself, to feed the people, and then to teach you how to feed yourself. That's maturity, isn't it? That's maturity. Anybody here ever been around a teenage boy? What if you need to live a little bit? Uh, either that or you just, man, if I raise my hand, I'm going to be in the nursery. And they said I got to be there for 17 years. Um, our son's coming along. We get done with dinner. An hour later, he's walking around with a bowl of cereal. Andre's in tears. What's wrong? Didn't I feed him enough? You fed him fine. What's wrong? He's a teenage boy. She says, no bueno. Explain. And uh, I said, teenage boy, he's going to grow. He'll probably eat again before bedtime. Said we're gonna we're gonna I said yeah we're gonna have to buy a cow we're gonna have to raise crops and one of us is gonna lose a kidney to feed him that's exactly right and this is how it's gonna be I grew up with two boys and all <coughs> and my father would go to the cabinet pantry and he would try and get there before we did because if we got got there after we did he's eating saltines and that's all that's left in there equipping I'm to be I'm to be doing this you ought to be voracious for the word of God if you're just satisfied with every Sunday or every other Sunday then you're spiritually starving. And you need to learn how to feed yourself. Feed yourself. That's the first purpose there of equipping. That's why we've doubled down and tripled down on this. <clears throat> Wednesday night group, learning Scripture, in Scripture. Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, Saturday morning, in Scripture, learning Scripture. Say the verse in church. Why? Because it's the Word that transforms your life. It's the Word that makes you whole. It's the Word that is equipping you. And you get it in you, and you get in the Word. And then you go, man, I can't wait to do more of this. I can't wait to get in more. And God changing your life. Why don't people use their gifted? Because some, some just never figured out how to feed themselves. And, and they, they don't get fed enough. And I, I want to encourage you. Man, we want you to do this. Because this is discipling, isn't it? This is discipling. <clears throat> this is what we are called to do. 
We're called to, I am to be in there. I'm to be in there. And then I'm to be praying. Be praying. Write this down if you would, Colossians 4.12. Colossians 4.12. He says, I always labor earnestly for you in my prayers that you may stand perfect, complete, and assured, vested in the will of God. How we equip? We equip learning each other's names and praying for one another. We equip. God raised us up. When we got opportunity, maybe for an intern, God, there's three things I can't get figured out. If you want to bring us an intern for eight weeks, rising senior in the Bible college, you're going to have to work this out, Lord, and let them come and be effective immediately. I pray for our group leaders. God, you would use him. I pray he'd raise up more. God, you know the needs that we have. You know, you know the musical needs, and you know the children, the child care, and the teen needs. You know, you know the visitation. You know all these needs, Lord. Would you help people to use their giftedness in your church? Diagrams and org charts only go so far. Spiritual things need to be done a spiritual way. One of the reasons we prayed in the service, God, help us. There's 50,000 people living in five miles of this building and need to know Jesus. Let, uh, let a group use the place yesterday for a, a music recital. Lady gets done. She said three-fourths of these people, I don't think, go anywhere to church, and they all live around this building. I had people say, how long has this church been here? I went in 1999. Really? Really? Did you do something new? We cut the grass. And uh, I like it. This is great. You're you here every Sunday? Yeah. <clears throat> Do you preach? Occasionally. So, so, drink your coffee before you come, and you'll need it to stay away. Oh, you're funny. Yes, ma'am. My wife says I'm a doofus. Oh, that's clever. And uh, be equipped. Be equipped. It has to do with the word. It has to do with prayer. And then he says serving, and then he says, then he says, he says serving, and then he says building up. I'm done. Let me, let me finish. Every member should grow up. Every member should grow up, Paul Tripp says, and use a towel and not wear a bib. Every member should grow up and use a towel and not wear a bib. They shouldn't be immature consumers, but eager servants. Tripp continues in his good little book. Your life is much bigger than a good job, an understanding spouse, and kids who aren't just non-delinquents. It's bigger than gardens, vacations, clothes. In reality, you're a part of something immense, something that began before you were born, continue after you die if Jesus tarries. God is rescuing fallen humanity, transporting them in the kingdom, and progressively changing them into his likeness. He wants you to be a part of it. He wants you to be a part of it. <clears throat> we'll pick up with the building up next time. But when those two things are happening, God's church is being built up. That's, that's the natural progression. The natural progression. <clears throat> Before I got sick, I'm done. Look at me. Look right here. Let me, let me close with this story. Going to bring it all together, I hope. <laughs> I, had, I had gone into a, a Best Buy. Now, now, if you've ever heard of Best Buy or been in a Best Buy, they sell VCRs. You used to. All right. And uh, <laughs> not going in. Some of you thinking, I think I got a VCR at home. Quit thinking about that. Pay attention. 
I'd gone in, and, uh, and a lady walked up to me, nice-dressed lady, purse on her arm, <coughs> a professional dress, and said, do you know where uh, something is? And I said, I, said uh, I think so. I think it's over there. She, she said, are you sure? I said, I, I think so. I was just by there. It's over there. And she was kind of annoyed with me <coughs> and, and walked off. I thought it was odd, but and, uh, and a few minutes later, I'm looking. I think I'm looking at. I think I'm looking at cell phones. And uh, another another person comes up to me and uh, and a, 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 a mother and a child, <coughs> and said, "Do you have this game?" And I, I said, "I said, beg your pardon." And uh, do you carry this game? I said, "I'm not sure, but the games are over there." She said, "Well, can you walk me over?" And I said, "Well, I'm 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 looking at the phones and I'll hear it." She said, "What's your name?" You know, I said, well, my name's Rodney. What's your name? I'll play. What's your name? Huh. And she walks over. She walks over to somebody with a walkie-talkie and points back at me. And uh, anyway, I don't know what's going on. And, uh, and the guy laughs, does says something. The woman looks, waves, and goes off. I'm thinking, if I got a sign on my back or something? <coughs> and about the time the third person is almost to me, I finally figure out I'm wearing khaki pants and a blue shirt. And I look like I belong there. And if I hadn't gotten out of there, I could have maybe gotten a discount because uh, there's people asking and they're mad that I'm not helping them. And I check out and I'm like, I think, do I test it? Do I try and get them? Make sure you give me the, you know, but instead I get out and instead the cashier beats me to it. And she says, well, that stinks for you. Dress like one of us. I said, yeah, yeah. I, I helped three people and didn't even get a tip. And uh, ha, 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 and, you know, off I went. I got in the car and I just, man, what an odd thing of all things to dress like a Best Buy employee. The one lady was mad. I didn't walk her to wherever. <coughs> the other people were upset. Got my name. Were turning me in. <laughs> Thankfully, the supervisor was like, he ain't one of ours. He's a customer. Lady. Here's, here's your reaction in the last three weeks. Look right at me. Why is that man why does he keep yelling at me? Why does he keep telling me to get to work? I'm not an employee. I came, I came because I needed something. I came to try it out. I came because I like the people here. I didn't come to work. I work out there. I come here to find relief. I came here for other things. I am not an employee. Why does he keep asking me to do stuff? Why does he keep trying to make me feel bad that I don't do stuff? You're not just wearing the blue shirt. You have been bought by the precious blood of Christ. You have been redeemed. You've been given his robe of righteousness. You have been equipped. The victor, chapter 4, verse 1 through 6, has come 
not just with trophies, but with tools. And you fit here, and you fit here, and you got two, and you got four, and you got five. And then as you obey, you get to use these other things and help fulfill the mission of Christ. And you get to do it with joy. So yeah, I keep talking to everybody like they got on a blue shirt. Because you got on a blue shirt. And what you don't realize is the most fun you'll ever have, and several of you have on blue shirts, the most fun you'll ever have in your life is following the Lord and obeying Christ. How can I, how can I fit in? The gifted men, two groups foundation, two groups active now, getting in the Word, the Word in us, being transformed in how can I serve? What can I do? What more can I do? How can I be a part of God's great church? Would you pray with me right now? I hope you took some good notes. I hope you laughed. I hope you 